When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ernest Johnson, a running back nobody would ever heard of, ran for 146 yards last night in Cleveland in the Browns' 17-14 victory over the Broncos. And given that the Browns were missing literally their entire offensive backfield, doesn't take all that much to figure out what the biggest challenge will be for the Browns' next opponent. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. At some point over these next nine days, the Steelers are going to have to relearn and rededicate themselves to the art of tackling, which is never as simple as it sounds. Most of tackling, football players will tell you themselves, begins with shedding. And when you looked at the way the Browns played last night, it was founded almost entirely on what, to my eyes, looks like the best offensive line in the AFC North. Maybe one of the better ones in the league. And if you're an offensive lineman, by the way, in big parentheses right here, and you bring in the third string, fourth string, fifth string running back, and you're still running the ball against the other team, that is the greatest feeling, the greatest feeling a football lineman can have in parentheses. If you go back to the Steelers' last performance, in that one, they also were facing a lot of third-string, fourth-string people in the Seattle offensive backfield. And it didn't matter because the third quarter came along and the Seahawks gashed the Steelers. Gashed. That's the term T.J. Watt assigned, and I'm very comfortable borrowing it. Gashed. Went right at them. And more often than not, in that quarter, found a tackle or a would-be tackle and broke away from it. Somehow broke free. The Steelers ended that game with 22 missed tackles, according to local football analyst Josh Carney, who did some terrific work in breaking down the film because that's not an official statistic. And out of those 22 tackles, missed tackles, I should say, three each went to, ready? Terrell Edmonds, Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, Cam Sutton. That tells me two things. One, 
These guys were terrible at taking people down. Duh. And two, they had way too many opportunities to tackle a running back who probably should have been stopped somewhere earlier in the process. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format works best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Oh, the tackling subject came up all week, and I'm not just talking about between reporters and players and coaches. I'm talking about in the classrooms and on the field. There is nothing that has a coach feeling more culpable for his team's loss at any level of football than when they aren't executing the simple fundamentals of tackling. This was Terrell Austin, the secondary coach, a couple of days ago on the south side. <laughs> uh, no, we don't, we don't gloss past the problems and think they're going to disappear. Uh, so what we did is we always address uh, things that show up uh, things that may show up later, and, and we addressed it. And then obviously we're not tackling uh, our own guys. So, uh, you know, it's my job to put together some drills to help them uh, get a little closer, get in better position so that we can make those tackle, tackles. It's never a function of toughness here because you can't play DB in this league if you can't tackle. And uh, so we got to do some things, and, and, and I'll do some things drill-wise to help them uh, feel more comfortable in the open field, get their feet on people so they can tackle and, and get them on the ground because we have to do better. I don't believe that these Steelers have some sort of long-term or long-standing tackling issue. These things will pop up from time to time, often in the ugliest and most unexpected ways. And yes, I'm referring to the 2017 playoff loss to the Jaguars, of course, where they just... the best tacklers on the field. Remember Cam Hayward couldn't tackle. Like, what was that all about? You know? It wasn't just that Leonard Fournette was, oh, anyway, enough of that. Because then we'll start talking about Blake Bortles and this team has, I believe, when everyone's healthy, either the best defensive front in football or now more likely, given that we've been waiting a while for the return of Stefan Tuitt, and we don't yet know about the return of Tyson Alulu. And even though Bud Dupree is off to a rotten start in Nashville, when you're comparing Alex Highsmith to Bud Dupree, for this purpose, you're doing so to the Dupree of last year. And Bud, through his 11 games, was absolutely outstanding, including in stopping the run. We need to see more of Highsmith playing the way he did Sunday against Seattle in order to put him in that kind of class. But point is, again, those five guys, if they're all out there and they're all healthy and all that other stuff, that is a really good group, including in stopping the run. Beyond that, you know, you start 
getting a little shaky because your inside linebackers are Devin Bush and Joe Schobert, neither of whom is a run stopper, neither of whom appears to be a particularly adept tackler. That's particularly troubling when it comes to young Mr. Bush, considering the Steelers traded up to get him at the number 10 spot overall in the draft. You don't want an inside linebacker at that position who's a one-trick pony, and that one trick is pass coverage. That's why you make a last-second trade for someone like Schobert, because those guys are just available. They're routine. Bush isn't supposed to be routine. Bush needs to be a lot better at tackling. Schobert, I'm not going to... I mean, he is what he is. I have a feeling, honestly, that you're just going to start seeing more of Robert Spillane. Because for him to be out there, Spillane in dime situations the way he's been, that tells me that they're becoming more comfortable with him in multiple settings, but they'd really like to have him out there to be the one guy that could get back to the quarterback in the event of a blitz, which, by the way, he does very rarely, and that he'd be the most sure-handed tackler of the group. And after a game like the Seattle one, that is one of those that just instantly forces you to reconsider a lot of things. So don't be surprised to see Spillane become more prominent. And then there's the four defensive backs. Uh, You know, Joe Hayden had a point in his career where he was an outstanding tackler. He was outstanding at everything. When he was with the Browns, he's been a very, very good player for the Steelers. He isn't rapping and tackling the way he used to. Maybe he will again, maybe he won't. Cam Sutton is a very good tackler. No idea what got into him. Terrell Edmonds has been maybe the Steelers' most dependable tackler at any position that isn't occupied by number 97, and he fizzled out against Seattle. And Minka, I just have a feeling with Minka that in general, his lack of takeaways is going to start affecting other components to his game. So I love the fact that it was Terrell Austin, the secondary coach who spoke up to this and who spoke as passionately as he did because those four guys are all under his watch, each one of them with three missed tackles. That is just gross stuff that absolutely has to be corrected in the way that you heard him describe. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and that's brought to you always by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garvin, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who've been hurt in car accidents, who've filed for workers' comp or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. This is a real thing. The super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. RJ1Q comes from DM Bursick, who asks, Will Juju be back next year on another prove-it deal? You know, there's an easy way to answer this, and that's the, the very obvious nobody knows. 
from the player perspective, really nobody knows. Uh, he has established, Juju Smith-Schuster has many times over, his dedication to the Steelers and to Pittsburgh, but he's also made very, very public, in a couple of cases awkwardly public, his wish to be paid at a certain level and how that was going to be the most important thing and et cetera, et cetera. So we, we just don't know from the perspective of the player, and that is what it is. But here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting about this scenario, I think, is that when you ask the question, you can't help but think to yourself how much else could change that would potentially influence such a decision. Listen, just off the top of my head here, what if Kevin Colbert isn't back? He's been working on a series of perpetual one-year deals. He's in his late 60s. He genuinely might not want to do this forever. And if you have a new GM, you have a new attitude, you have a new approach, you have a new uh, analysis that you would put forth of all of your players and all of your contracts. It wouldn't be just snap of a finger. Oh, Juju says he's coming back. Okay, cool. Here's your contract, Juju. It wouldn't be the same thing. What if Mike Tomlin isn't back? I know, I know, I know. I, I'm not going there. This isn't the place for that stuff. <laughs> he's got a three-year contract. He's not going anywhere. But what if Ben Roethlisberger isn't back? And I don't know who at this point thinks that Ben will be back. You know what I'm saying? Like, remember how the default mode always in the past was, what if Ben isn't back? Whereas now you're thinking, what if Ben is back? And that would be the part that surprises you. We've never seen Ben look this limited offensively. I think it would qualify as a significant surprise if he's back. And if he is... What's your thoughts on that if you're Juju? Are you going to say, hey, I really, really, I'm putting my big make-it-or-break-it year into the hands of Mason Rudolph or whoever else the Steelers might acquire to play the most important position? You see where I'm going here? There's just so many other things that can happen. There's so many other things that can can sway this. So if you're talking about it, Strictly related to the contract, yeah, he could. And, and, you know, he could also do a Darrell Revis and just do prove-it contracts for the rest of his life. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think if you're Juju, you're not getting that big deal next summer. I don't care who's out there, who loves him, whatever else. I don't think he's going to get that next summer, and I'm not exactly going out on a limb there. So if you want to have another prove-it deal, could he consider a lot of the same variables that he said he considered this past offseason, and you know, the familiarity and knowing the medical staff and knowing the teammates and loving the city and that, 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 that and everything else? Sure, he could do that. Or he could have someone tell him, hey, listen, that quarterback they're going to have in Pittsburgh next year, uh-uh, you don't want to do that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they could say that to him, in which case everything changes. 
Wide receivers need to be fed. They all know that. They all talk about it. They used to just talk about it behind the scenes, and now they just talk about it out loud to everybody. Juju's no different in that regard. Is there a chance? Yes, of course. Is there a chance that he could leave? Also, yes, of course. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Have fun watching other football over the weekend. We'll be back on Monday.